Now, this morning, how about we just stand and we'll pray? Father, I just thank you for today. And I thank you, Lord God, that we're standing in a most amazing point of time. What an amazing time to be on the earth. 2020 was crazy. And the word unprecedented was made so famous. It's amazing. We got onto it a bit before everyone else here. It's true. What will 2021 be like? We don't know. But you know, Lord. Jesus, we understand that the shaking that's spoken about in Hebrews chapter 12 has started. Yet once more I'll shake the heavens and the earth. But Father, this morning we acknowledge that in amongst the conflict and the changing circumstances that you are at work. Why? Because you want all men and women everywhere to return to you with a genuine heart of repentance. Every pastor needs to return to you. Every leader needs to return to you. Every church needs to come back to you. Every father, every leader of the home needs to stand before you white hot with a passion for you. Father, come like never before. Come in the worship. Come in our prayer meetings, in our relationships, in our conversations, in our speech. Make yourself known to this generation like never before. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great to have you. Please be seated. And welcome back to City Builders. I've been used to saying welcome back to City Builders to the online service. Funny little joke to start with, you know. I was brought up on a farm in central Victoria. And, uh, you know, we have a generation that's being raised online now, don't we? Well, do you know what? My older brothers were the first ones to be raised like that. Because my family lived by a, a river. Honestly, from about here to the doors, there was a stream that uh, was quite a, a you know, substantial uh, stream. There was no fence around it, so we all grew up there. And the way that my mother stopped us from drowning is she used to leash us to the hill's hoist. And my brothers used to run uh, around all day on that thing. That's what you call being online. That's where the term... <laughs> Does anyone know what a hill's hoist is? Hands up if you do. Where are the rest of you been? Were you raised in Australia? Anyway, this morning, it's always great when you start a new year. This was not an easy message for me to put together because honestly, there's so many things floating around in the atmosphere... So many things had come from God and so many things had come from all over the place. But my strong impression coming into this year 
comes from Peter's powerful address in Acts chapter 3, verse 21, which talks about the restoration of all things. And I want to put it out there this morning that the restoration of all things has begun. Amen. Let's, let's have a look at it. Open to Acts chapter 3, verse 21. And this is Peter's first public audience following the outpouring in the upper room. He says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ to the world who was preached to you before, whom heaven and earth must, sorry, whom heaven must receive until the restoration of all things. Say that after me, the restoration of all things. Heaven must receive Jesus until the restoration of all things. When God spoke about, which God spoke about through his holy prophets since the world began. So God is about his work in the nation and in the nations. In introduction this morning, we are at the end of a cycle. The globalists are talking about a, 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 a reset. But do you know what? God is certainly doing something. And it is like the end of an era and the beginning of a new era. We talked about this a little bit last year. Uh, I believe that we are at the beginning of an exciting new era in God. Uh, it is like uh, we've come to the end of a prophetic cycle. One prophetic cycle is finished and we've entered another one. And you see this happen over and over again in the scripture. And you see it happen in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 where there was a priesthood, and it was the priesthood of Eli. And the word of God says that the sons of Eli, that represents the old priesthood. And to a degree, it could represent the world systems, and it could represent the religious church. And there it says that the sons of Eli did not know the Lord. They were corrupt. That's what it actually says. In some verses, it says they are worthless. Imagine if God said to you, after you'd done your job, it was worthless. It's one thing if the world calls you worthless. It's one thing if the world calls you corrupt, but it's another thing if God calls you corrupt. And I'll tell you where this end of the cycle comes is when we no longer hear God. When the heavens are no longer open over our life because we're not interested in what God is really doing or saying. And we are living a life out of our own agenda. God has to do something if things are going to turn around. And then it goes on into 1 Samuel chapter 3 and it begins to talk about the rising of Samuel. How the boy Samuel ministered in the temple with Eli and the Lord began to call out Samuel. He said, Samuel, and Samuel goes, here I am. He thought it was Eli calling him. But Eli counseled him and knew that it was the Lord. Isn't this amazing how the priesthood 
You know, the priesthood of Eli was coming to an end right there because he failed to pass something on to, his, to the next generation. And God was about ready to do something new because he was going to bring restoration into the nation. God is a God of restoration. And, uh, you know, we have four pillars of our church. The first one's reaching out to people. Every day we need to reach out. You know, God has put us right in the middle of the city with the doors flung wide open in such a way that we couldn't help but reach out to the city if we tried. God wants us to reach out. We are an outreach church. When you're bored, you don't know what to do, find somebody to reach. First pillar. Number two is reconnecting. Reconnecting with God. Reconnecting with those that God's called us to, to walk with. Reconnecting with fathers and with destiny. The third word is restoration. Because God wants to restore all things. It's such a powerful, powerful theme that is in the scripture from the beginning to the end. God is a God of restoration. It is his nature. It's his nature. God does not see something and leave it broken. Our world was broken and God sent Jesus to start a new cycle. And now God's raising up the church in each city and each nation to break that cycle and to turn it round. God's promise of the restoration of all things is woven through the scripture from the beginning to the end. It's in every chapter of the book. Even in Genesis, in the first few chapters, how God uh, created man, put man in the garden, and sin came in straight away. The redemptive plan of God is revealed in the book of Genesis. And the prophecies about what would happen in the future, even to this day. We are called to be part of the restoration. We are called to it. You can't escape it. Once God has restored you and reconnected you to himself, now you have a mission. And in a word, that mission, a powerful part of it, is the word restoration. You know, I I sung a song here last year, and when uh, I sung the song, uh, it was a song that I learned about 30 years ago in my church in Albury, and I sung it so beautifully, and then when Lee put out the the recording, he omitted my song. So I'm going to have to sing it for you again this morning. No, I won't. It says, I am a part of the restoration that God is doing in the earth. It's such a powerful revelation when you believe what God wants to do, that he wants to restore the earth. He wants to restore all things. It's his nature. We're called to be part of it. It is our assignment. We need to be choose to be part of what God is doing and we need to make ourselves available to him and say with a big yes, On the inside of my heart, I am going to be part of this plan. 
Last year, we uh, closed out with God's transformation, God's uh, master plan of transformation of the nations. Well, this is a core part of it. We're called to be part of the process. It's our assignment. We need to choose to be part of it. We can watch it go on. We can see it happen in someone's life. Or we can stand out on the inside of it, on, just on the outside looking in. But God wants to bring us right in so that we are part of what he's doing. This morning I wanted to say, in, still in my introduction, that his greatest work is you. His greatest work is you. You are a miracle. Now in that sense, I am not saying that you are wonderful. This is what the scripture says. If any man is in Christ, the old has passed away and the new has come. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are being made new. So God is still today making you new. We spoke about being upgraded. You know, sometimes we need an upgrade, an update. A, uh, you know, a, we need to change it up. And sometimes people just stay the same because they haven't captured the vision of what God can do. And we live in this rut. And we live detached from the purposes of God and we are not engaged actively in the process of restoration. So his greatest work is you. It's what he's done on the inside of you. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says you are his workmanship. You are his workmanship. If you know the Lord... From the minute that you receive the Lord, you are his workmanship and you are created in him for good works. Not just to be a good person, but to do good works. Because good works is like social work. You know, they're good works, but God's also created you for God works. Because he wants to manifest in you and through you to this world. Because that's how restoration happens. Do you know, through everything that's happening in the world, there's a lot going on in our world now. Do you know what? Our world is getting hit by this demonic assault of falsehood. This is what's happening. And it's amazing, you know, where people are focusing. Because uh, there's not a lot of God in the discussion in some areas. And we've got to make sure that our primary source is God. Because anything can happen. Anything can happen. We don't know what's going to happen. I've got my opinion. I believe certain things that have been said and prophesied and spoken. But at the end of the day, if those things do not come to the pass, I'm not going to close the church and go back to banking. I'll continue to serve God. Like I said, I've got a very strong opinion, very strong conviction about things that have been happening. But the reality is, the pattern for restoration is not going to come through any government form on the earth. It's going to come from heaven to earth. And if we can learn a new way, if we can think differently this morning, 
We can begin to become part of the restoration that God is doing in the earth. And sometimes if our, eyes are, our ideas can be close, but if they're wrong, we are on the outside looking in. So God wants to bring us further. He wants to bring us deeper. I reckon those two words this year are key words for every one of us. Further. Say that after me. Further. Deeper. Further. Deeper. And that happens as a result of going higher. So this is what God wants to do in us this year. He wants us to go further. You know, we're just starting here in this City Builders Church. We just started August the 11th last year, really, I believe. Our future is bright, but I believe that God wants to do something special in this place. In the name of Jesus. Glad you're with us. So God wants to take us further. You need to make sure, you know, I'll come back to that point again. His greatest work is you in the sense that you are a new creation made in him. Now you need to make sure that you cooperate with him and allow him to finish what he started. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we preached a message on this last year, and it says, He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what God started, he will complete it. He will finish it in his time and in his way. He will do it. Amen? You can say amen to that. He will do it. What he began in me, you can say it after me, what he began in me, he will bring it to completion in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. It's going to be different. It's going to be supernatural. It's going to be extraordinary. I am absolutely internally opposed to ordinary. So, so that's what our church is. We are opposed to ordinary. We're the church extraordinary. Or part of it. Our adversary, the devil, wants to stop you and to destroy or reduce your testimony. I've seen this happen over and over again that many, many people have had a powerful testimony of God's grace, but they're not telling anyone. Because there is a real devil. We have an adversary. And what he wants to do, he wants to steal that word that says, he who began a good work will bring it to completion. So he wants to create circumstances around you that oppose that truth. And you know what? Sometimes people have a powerful testimony of God's grace, then they get tangled up in wrong dealings in the world, wrong relationships, and things stop. This is where, as young people, what you need to do is you need to learn to dedicate yourself to Christ with a heart of purity. One of the biggest things that I've seen stop people in church, excuse me, but it's good little church girls and good little church boys. 
That's honestly the truth. But the scripture says that what we should do is we should flee youthful lusts. Why does it do that? Why does it say that? Because it's one of the ways that people get their testimony robbed from them. You know, if there's a relationship that you're in that is hindering your relationship with God and with the body of Christ, you know what you need to do? That's how you fix it. You'll go through a moment of pain, but in the end, God will balance the books. Do you know what? I believe that in this church, the principles of courtship should be upheld and honoured. What are they? It is to save yourself for the altar. Didn't intend talking about that, but it's my conviction after all these years. Why? Because, you know, when the enemy comes, he often comes as an angel of light. He comes like he is the answer. He's been playing this game for a long time. But we need to set ourselves apart for God during this time. And go about things God's way. God wants to restore you completely. As I said, right through the scriptures, there is this principle of restoration. Now, let's have a look at a couple of them. Firstly, the scripture says he'll restore your soul. Psalm 23 is a powerful psalm that is often read at funerals, unfortunately. Because it's very much about life. And it talks about how God will lead us through the valley of death. You know, we've been through that time and time again. You know, sometimes dreams die. Sometimes people die. Sometimes relationships die. But the scripture says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, I'll tell you how you get your soul restored. You let him lead you. Let him lead you. Let the Lord God lead you into righteousness. But you must always remember there's a battle going on here because there are other voices and other factors and other challenges that want to lead you in another direction. Which voice will you follow? This morning, God wants to restore your soul. I want to speak restoration over you. And I want to declare that God is going to begin to restore all things to you. I believe that God is going to give back to you. You know, I tell you what, there is a thief that comes to rob and to kill and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. But you've got to let him lead you. You've got to let him lead you. You know, so many problem people find this difficult because they are leading themselves. This is the problem. Now, listen to me. This might be, you know, a little bit challenging and hitting your comfort zone a bit, but don't do life the way you did in 2019. Don't do life the way you did in 2020. Do it 21 style. This is a new era. This is a new, new time. This is a new 
season for you. It's a season of restoration. God's going to give back to you. Do you think I'm telling you the truth? This is what the scripture says. God will repay seven times. In Joel chapter 2 verse 25, this is very pertinent to this season. One of the seasons of this this era that we are coming into is that there is going to be such an incredible restoration move that happens amongst those that are really connecting in with the Lord God. God will restore the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. Does anyone in the room feel like they have lost years? You know, that they have got to the stage where, well, I'm just getting older. I haven't seen any of my dreams fulfilled. Lynn and myself went through a season like that, where it was like God, it just seemed like God was cruel to us. And, but it wasn't God. You see, we have an adversary. But the devil who takes to rob and to kill and destroy, we had, you know, I had loved ones taken through me, like taken out. And, you know, then when we began to really follow God with our whole heart, it was like God seemed to strip everything back. Everything. Like everything. And it was like at one stage, it's just 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago exactly that I went through this. It was like we had served God passionately for 10 years. And it was like everything had just been removed. That's what it was like. I'm just describing how I felt. It wasn't really that way, but that's how it seemed. But then in the midst of our pain, the cycle of restoration began. And I experienced that, and I knew that that was God. And, you know, the first thing in amidst, amongst that, you know, God gave us the house that we live in. Like, unbelievable. Just come like. And there was a prophetic word in there, wasn't there, Lynn, where God spoke over you and me from a complete stranger who said, this is what God's going to do. He's going to restore everything. He's going to give it back over and abundantly. That was a prophetic word. And he said, not in 10 years' time, he said, now. Well, I want to say to you this morning, now. I want to say to you this morning, now. 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 Come on, you say it. Now. Now. Do you know what? We need to get a bit serious with the devil and say, now. Give it back now. Because this is your now season. I'm declaring it over every person in this room, over every family. I'll tell you what, the enemy is going to seek to take everything off everybody in these days ahead. It is stated in the United Nations Communist Manifesto. It's not a conspiracy theory. But I want to tell you that God's got a different idea for you. That is the devil's idea for them, but God's idea for you is different. Amen? Bit of sweat won't hurt. It's anointed. I tell you, I'm not lying to you. I've lived this. I've seen this. I saw the miracle of this building when the dream was dead and gone. Over and finished. 
No one believed it, even me. And then one spiritual son poked his head out. Just one, just one, only one. And he said, I think we can do this. What a crazy idea that was. (laughs) But look at it. And then I said to him, I reckon God's going to give us that building. Is this right? I said that. I reckon he's going to get it. And I said, this is how you'll know. In four months, the deal will be closed and in seven months, we'll settle. Is that what I said? Or is my memory up the creek? That's exactly what happened. And here we are because God is a God of restoration. How did I prophesy that over him? I tell you what, I learned the principles through my pain. See, some of you can hardly believe me this morning because you haven't been where I've been. But this works. God is a God of restoration and now is his time. Now is the time for this church and everyone associated with it to become the storehouse. God's not going to stop here. He's going to give us the city. I tell you, God's going to do it. God's going to release something. I want to say this to you this morning, that the greatest wealth transfer in history is about ready to happen. And I tell you what, those globalist, greedy, manipulative demons want to take every cent that you have for themselves. I tell you what, the poor blokes in Nigeria will not see two bob. It's a lie. But there's something, God's got a different plan. And it is he's going to restore you. And it's that he's going to bless you. And he's going to repay you seven times. But only if he can trust you. Get ready because the greatest wealth transfer in history. I've never preached on this stuff. I've been happy to have nothing. When we bought that house, I said, I don't need a house, Lynn. What I was saying, I don't need the stress. I was already going through burnout. I don't need a $100,000 mortgage. This is 20 years ago. I don't need it. But God was saying, I haven't finished with you yet. I'm going to give you back everything. Now. Come on, now. This is what this guy said. Now. Who was in the room that night? Who heard him say that? Honestly, you were. It's 20 years ago. There was a few people here that heard that word. And I I could hardly believe anything. I was in the midst of serious depression, burnout. I wanted to leave the ministry. In fact, in that week before, I'd said, we're out. I'm finished. And Lynn said, where will we go? (laughs) It's good to be married to a good woman when you're in trouble. Where will you go? I said, how about we go to Don and Helen Fennell's place in Lakes Entrance and they'll heal us up. And we did. We went down there and on the way through, mind you, in my heart, I'd quit. For me to get to the, to the uh, news agents to buy a newspaper was my first great achievement. It was my first stop for, stop, uh, step to recovery. And on September the 11th, the buildings got knocked over. And on that day, we signed the contract for our house. 
When the world's going down, God is going to restore his sons and daughters. Now, I tell you, I've got the pattern on the inside, and I can help you. Anybody who'll listen up, anybody who'll connect with this, something will happen in their life. God will restore you, and he will not stop until your whole family comes. He will not stop until everyone turns around. He will not stop if you don't stop. But if you don't stop, he's, if you stop, he's got nothing to work with. And the biggest problem I've seen as a pastor is people who let the job stay half done. They get saved and they stop there. And because they have not had a new pattern put on the inside, they, because the, the, they have not been internally realigned, the enemy comes in. And the same old demons that attacked them before they were saved are there again. You have got to declare war on the old man. Not your father. Amen? Amen? On the old man, the old you, because he's made you new. God's going to restore everything. God will restore the years that the swarming locusts have taken. He said it. I tell you what, this move of God's going to be extraordinary, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. God can do this. He'll restore your health. But not if you eat Big Macs every day. You might have to get on the protocol. Julian and myself can speak with a bit of uh, authority now. Mind you, he was getting porky, wasn't he? (laughs) I said, be careful, Heidi. If you don't do something about this, he's going to look like Danny DeVito soon. (laughs) God will repay you God will repay you I want to speak something over you this morning All right, you ready for this I'm I'm not trying to sell you some charismatic message here I'm way past that I found this so hard to get together because it's bigger than what my mind can think at the moment Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold. I didn't actually leave my brothers. My brothers sort of silently said, yeah, we'll put some distance between us. It's... But read this next word. Now in this time. I believe that's a word for us. For anyone who really with their heart reaches out and goes, God, I've been ripped off. I've been robbed. I've lost years. I've lost finance, I've lost my way, then this morning God is saying, now in this time, this is the prevailing word that is over this house. I know it. It came through the messages last year. The prevailing word over this house is restoration. Yeah. 
of all things. And if you will connect with this word deeply on the inside of you, I believe that God is going to begin a new cycle of restoration in you, a new prophetic cycle. Your disappointment will come to an end and joy will come in the morning. It will happen. It happened to me. The day I signed that contract, I'd been to McDonald's to meet a guy and I looked at the TV as the buildings were collapsing the ground. And I was burnt out and broken down and could not believe that God would do anything good for me. And I wanted to pull out. My daughter Renee's here and she said to me, Dad, why is it that every time we get so close to being blessed, it stops? She said that to me. I don't know whether she remembers it. But I tell you what, Renee, you're entering into a time of restoration. There's a time where God kicks in. There's a time when you've sown. You've given. You've put God first. There is a time where he begins to return to you. This is Bible from start to finish. If you can't believe this, there'll be a bit of a blockage there until you adjust a little bit. Because during that time, I just had to adjust. I just had to sign the contract. So God could begin to do what he was about to do. What's God want to restore in your life? Man, if God continually takes away everything and everything and everything and everything and everything, at the end of it, you'll be bitter and disappointed. But God does not take anything away. It's the thief who comes to rob, kill and destroy. It's the thief that comes to rob. And he's got unique ways of doing that. He'll put some people around you that can frustrate the will of God and the purpose of God in your life. He's got his ways. I've experienced it. I'll tell you this honestly, the people I've been burnt most by in life have been Christians. Sorry. Shouldn't be that way. But you've got to understand we have an adversary. And when he can't attack us the way he would normally attack people, it's through those who we allow to be close to us. And we have experienced that, haven't we? God will repay you. I said that God's history's greatest transfer of wealth is about ready to happen. In Proverbs 13.22, it says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So what we need to do is follow God righteously and allow him to lead us. Things that will help you this year, I believe, to connect this. What have I got to do to connect with this? Firstly, the prophetic dimension must be well developed in your life. I'll tell you, this is really important during this time because the thief is a liar And he's coming to rob, 
Man, it's amazing how many times you can get offers and uh, people ring you and things happen that promise to look like the real deal and they're just not God. They're not real. They're not authentic. It seems now that deception, to use deception, is a fair way to make a living. It's a fair way to gain political power. It's a fair way to gain wealth. That's the era we live in. And it's coming at you. The enemy is using deception full on to deceive people. One of the greatest ways, one of the greatest signs of the times that helps you know where we are is the mass deception and delusion that is hitting the earth. And uh, the scripture actually says even the elect are at risk. So we need to make sure that the prophetic dimension is well developed in our life. I believe that this church has that dimension over it. But the spirit of truth is not negotiable. You know, I really believe that genuinely, generally across the church community, uh, that the church is low on the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is God on the inside. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go, but I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. And he will lead you into all truth. People have got opinions like you wouldn't believe. And we become hardened in our own opinion. But God wants our heart. I don't believe, you know, the, the prophets have spoken about who would win the election. But God made sure that this was no clear-cut result. Why? Because he is God. And, you know, uh, one of uh, uh, Australia's spiritual fathers spoke up and said something that one of the previous fathers of last century said that God does not tell people who's going to win in political circumstances. And I thought, that is so inaccurate. That is such a deception. Do you know what? Ahab could not speak a word even in the privacy of his own room because there was a man in the nation who was so close to God. Yes, that's right. Be careful what you believe. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful. You know, where's this in the Bible? Well, it's there in, in Mark chapter 4. Take heed who you listen to. Especially in this day, because I'll tell you, the church, you know, the contemporary mob have become so connected into the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So you get some truth and a lot of other stuff. Be careful. You know, be careful if you're going to go see a counsellor. You better make sure that counsellor has the spirit of truth. I don't actually think that counselling is a God idea anyway. I believe we need to connect with people who have the spirit of counsel, the sevenfold uh, spirit of God that Isaiah talks about. We need the prophetic dimension. It comes by connection. Here's a little bit of a warning. If you are spiritually passive, 
there is every likelihood you will be ripped off. Spiritually passive, just standing back, just letting, you know, just sitting in front of the tally and listening, just listening to both sides of the arguments and being reasonable. That may get you in trouble. We have room for one thing in the future, in our lives, and that is the spirit of truth. So when we talk about the prophetic dimension, the biggest sign that we are accurately connected with a spirit, of, with a prophetic dimension is we have the spirit of truth and we are accurate with our discernment. Our heart needs to be close to God. Because, you know, we can belong to the ultra-conservative camp or we can belong to the liberal camp, but both of them have drifted away from the spirit of truth. Amen? God, I pray for a supernatural release over this church of the spirit of truth. Where we've drifted a little bit, God, bring us right back there in Jesus' name. The spirit of truth is the not negotiable. The spirit of truth is God himself. The spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. Do you know what? Sometimes I can't figure out what's right or wrong, but the Holy Spirit on the inside of me goes, something wrong. There's a check in your spirit. But the danger today is that we have been educated to be passive. Passive. Passiveness is happy to maintain the old patterns in our life. And we are keeping the truth at a distance. But do you know what? There is a truth that will set a whole generation free. I need the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth must become my best friend. My best friend must become not my own opinion. I can be very opinionated. Thank you. But my best friend during this time must become the Lord God himself. He said, I'll send you a helper, a comforter, an advocate, the spirit of truth. Do you know him? Do you know him? Have you, what's, what's the level on the inside? How, you know, if you were to go, right, I'm a one, I'm a two, I'm a three with the spirit of truth, where do you rate? I know you agree with me, but I'm asking you about you. The spirit of truth will bring us into all truth. So we've got to move on. This is, this is real stuff. I'm not the sort of guy who's going to tell you, look, it's all going to be all right, because it ain't. But if you're connected the right way, if you are bringing yourself under the order of Melchizedek rather than the new world order, you will do quite well. That's the key. We can talk about that more another day, but I just wanted to read to you from Malachi because uh, moving on from this. Firstly, the prophetic dimension must be well developed. 
Uh, number two, we need to be well connected to the right people in the right way. We need to be connected to the right people. Say it with me, just so it's getting warm in here and you might just want to get passive. We need to be connected to the right people in the right way. Can we say it again? We need to be connected to the right people in the right way. Malachi chapter 5, verse 5 and 6 is all about that connection. Listen to this. It says, remember the law of Moses... Actually, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. This is flowing out of the last one. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers. Say that he will turn the hearts of the fathers. So this is a heart thing. It's a relationship thing. Elijah was a relational man, but he was a prophet of God. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. When is that? We talked about the day of the Lord last year, what that is. It's when God begins to do something new, starts a new cycle, sovereignly intervenes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers, they'll reconnect. It's the second pillar of our vision, reconnecting. There's a prophetic dimension over this church. There should be over every church. But there's this dimension that we covet and we long for and we pray for and we push into. So Malachi here said, if this doesn't happen, the land can be struck with a curse. Do you know what? There is a huge problem in our land now. And it is the problem of fatherlessness. There are no spiritual fathers The fathering dimension during this time is being restored to the church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, verse 11, and this is interesting because, see, uh, when John the Baptist came, they thought he was Elijah. And then when Jesus came, they thought he was Elijah. But Jesus said in Matthew 17, 11, Elijah must come and... Don't you know your Bible? Restore all things. It's the prophetic dimension. It is the prophetic aspect of the Holy Spirit. It is that part that can begin to turn your life around. You know, the prophetic will turn people's lives around if it is truly prophetic. If it's pathetic, it won't. But if it's prophetic, it will turn life around. The fathering dimension is being restored to the church. Jeremiah talks about true shepherds. I'm going to raise up true shepherds. These are prophetic fathers. And the spirit dimension is in them to take people further. 
These people have the grace to reach and they have the ability to hear and see and facilitate restoration. Remember the account when the prophet turned up to the widow's house and things began to turn around. The prophetic dimension. Do you know what? We need prophetic fathers, prophetic dads. You, if you were a father in this house, you need the spirit of Elijah on you. You know, do you know what that is? It's fathers that care enough about their kids that they're interceding for them. And they're praying and they're before the face of God asking for their kids. They see what's going on in their kids. Do you know what? Most people have got no idea what their daughters are doing. Man, I'm a dad. I know what my daughters are up to. I know what's going on in their life. Because I have the prophetic dimension in me. You've got to learn this. Don't settle for good behavior. Be a dad that's in there. If you're a mum and there's no dad there, be a mum that connects your sons and daughters to dads, to prophetic fathers especially. Do you know what? I've connected all our kids to a prophetic father. That's been the pattern of my life. Save me. And it's brought restoration. And the restoration to my own family, God spoke to me about this, and I believe this, and I want to speak it out, is going full throttle from this day on. Full throttle. Restoring of health and what's been taken in Jesus' name. Sometimes everything gets locked up and shut up, and it's like our hands are tied and everything's in a status quo. But do you know what? This is what's going to bring the nations back to Christ. You've got to get connected in. You've got to connect in with prophetic fathering. You know, I make decisions for myself all the time. But every one of them that's a big decision, I run it by my spiritual father. I don't have to. I just know that he's there for a check and balance. Hey, I'm 64. And I've got a spiritual father who happens to be 62. Figure it out. I'll tell you what, but that man brings life, wisdom, counsel, and I've often disagreed. Often disagreed. And do you know what? That's okay. But the fact that you are prepared to, in your heart, have that kind of person in your life. Now, I'll tell you a little bit of a story that shows how powerful and how funny this is. We can talk about John seeing he's not here. Take a day off church and we'll talk about you. Now, Amy had a bit of surgery and she's recovering. So. But what happened, John found it very difficult to get work here. And he went all the way around. He actually went to New Zealand, didn't work out there, came back. He was unemployed, and I got him a job in Bega as an auto-electrical apprenticeship. It took me ages to get him into work. He went up there for two weeks. He was living in a caravan in a dusty old paddock, and it was really, really rough. And at the end of it, he said, I said to him, you've got a choice. You can come home 
or you can stay. This is what you should do. Listen to God and ask him. John rung me back at the end of the two weeks and he said, God said, stay, so I'm staying. This is what happened. Eight months later, Dr. Jonathan David was in town. John came home from Bega to see him and we met at Portside and had lunch. Dr. Jonathan said to John, where are you? And he said, in Bega. What are you doing? I'm working as an auto electrician. It's a great job. Dr. Jonathan said, it's coming to an end. I honestly <laughs> just about baptised Papa with cold water that was on the table. I was, my God, I got up with John. I walked him to the door. I said, John, you don't have to receive every prophetic word. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. No kidding, this is what happened. Anyhow, that day, the fires broke out between here and Bega. And John could not get through. He had an altercation with the management and they said, don't bother coming. You want me to keep telling you the story? It gets better. This is a miracle. It happened just like that. So I went round to my friend Tracker there in Bond Street. He sent us down to Bansdale and John had a job by the end of the day. But do you know, before this happened, John said to me, what do I do? And I said, look, go to trade school in Melbourne and, uh, and just finish out the term and then see what you're going to do. So John hopped on the bus, went down, got on the train and at 11 o'clock at night, John rings me. He's in the pit of despair when he's left and he said, Dad, I've just met an angel and I've gone, here we go. Here we go. Hey, listen, uh, with, the, with the kids, I know it's, get, it's a bit warm and it's a bit late, but I reckon this is really important. So just stay with me if you can. Because this shows what's going to happen in the season ahead. So John's on the train, 11 o'clock at night. He rings me and he says, I've met an angel. I go, what do you mean you've met an angel? And he said, well, this woman got on the, on the train. She was an older woman. She said she was 80 plus and she sat across from me and she said, what's that you're wearing? He said, it's a cross, I'm a follower. And she said, I have been looking for you all day. He's actually on the way to your place, wasn't he? And this woman said to him, because you've been obedient, you've been traveling around through the land, looking for your space and because you've been obedient, God's gonna give you the job you need and you'll very shortly meet the wife that God has been preparing for you. This really happened. He tells me this and I go, this is a demonic manifestation. This is serious. I was worried. And then he turns up a couple of weeks later with Amy. Blonde bombshell. Never had a, never had a girlfriend in his life. I'm going nuts. This happened. God did exactly, worked a miracle. Anyhow, on this train, this woman got up to walk out and he turned around to thank her and she'd vanished. He said to the guys, Where, where's, where's the woman? Uh, the, there's some guys sitting there. He, he thought that uh, she'd be on the platform, he couldn't see her. Ordinary church, man. None of that stuff. 
Sometimes everything's locked up because we haven't connected properly. Number three, pursue sonship. We must become the Romans 8 company that God's called us to be. Romans 8 talks all about this. Romans, I think it's, I think it's Romans 8, 19. It says the whole of the earth's waiting for the revealing of the sons. Sons of God. This is the pattern set by God himself. God wants us to come into these relationships where we are connected to the right people at the right time in the right way. This is what changes everything. It breaks the curse. It opens the heavens over our life. Most are still in an old move pursuing ministry and success. But the next move will be the greatest move of God that will usher in the return of Christ. And it will be a sonship move. Because the whole of the earth is not waiting for a new political movement. It's not looking for a church that, uh, you know, we feel comfortable in. It's looking for a Romans 8 company. And in Joel chapter 2... It says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, but my sons and daughters will prophesy. Talks about men servants and maidservants, but those ones are set apart. Do you know what God wants you to do? Pursue sonship. Which really is allowing yourself to be transformed into his image. But it happens in environments where that Elijah dimension is there. That's how it's worked for me. God can do it however he wants it. But do you know what? I believe God's got to connect us correctly. Sometimes our connection is very business-like or very casual. But the scripture makes it very clear in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, how we should gather and connect. Amen. God wants to bring you to sonship, not success in ministry. You know, when you come to sonship, you'll succeed in ministry. You'll succeed where you are. Because the whole of the earth is waiting for the revealing of the sons. Sons will be tuned to the voice of the Lord. They'll have that prophetic dimension, strong on the inside. Do you know this? Sons will pursue the heart of fathers. They will. You know, heaven will be shut until you find somebody who can take you further. It doesn't matter who you are, even at my age. Not everybody is called to connect with me, but many are. But this you've got to find. And once you begin to see it, you'll see it on every page of the Bible. God put a son in the garden. God changed the earth through his son. He called Israel his son. And now he calls us his sons and daughters. 
And and in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he talks about how we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's bringing us right back. That's why this prophetic dimension needs to be developed and fashioned on the inside. God doesn't want us to be ordinary members. He wants us to be sons and daughters of the living God. He wants us to go further. Say that. Further. Deeper. Higher. Amen. A couple of things are going to happen in this year. The supernatural is going to break out. Amen. God's going to do it. I tell you, this area of wealth, like some people out there are going to really struggle, but others, God's going to give them the ability to create wealth. Others, it's just going to turn up, guys. But this is what we pursue, sonship. Do you know, when, when I was over in Malaysia, or when Lynn was there, Lynn, when Lynn was in Malaysia, there was a phenomena in the school. Remember that, where the new notes? New notes were released. New notes were found on the freshly minted notes. Was it US dollars? It was like after the worship, the heavens became open and God began to do something. People got their teeth filled with gold. I was there when that happened. I was there when that happened. People got their teeth filled with gold. Do you know what? God's got all the gold. He's got everything. We're just so finite in our thinking. So we've narrowed it down. But do you know now the Bible says that you've come to Mount Zion... And there is an innumerable company of angels. Do you see them? You do not. You see them, you don't. But they're there. But in these, this year, this is why we want to have worship nights this week, because God will send his angels to come and join in the worship. God's going to open the heavens again in this place. Amen. It's not all like it seems. God is going to change the whole game. The move of God in this time is going to explode. We are about ready to see the beginning of, great, of God's greatest move, which will usher in the return of Christ. That's what I believe. When's he coming back? I don't know. My lifetime? I don't know. Your lifetime? I don't know. I don't care. But Bishop Bill Hammond, who is the father of the prophetic movement, said in this next decade, there is going to be a tsunami of God's restorative move in the nations. You know, I've been in the big wave sometimes and dumped on my head and thought, what the heck happened? And a lot of Christians are going to be like that. They need dropping on their head. <laughs> Come on, tune up. I might be stretching your thinking a bit. Set out to do that. But we are about ready to see the birthing of the church of the living God. We're about ready to see the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God all across the globe that are going to surpass the ordinary believers who are happy with church but don't want God to mess with their career or their business. God's waiting for his sons and daughters 
Sons and daughters have reprioritized the kingdom. They are pursuing their father. I know my sons and daughters. I don't have to go looking for them. They pursue you. They're in your face. Like this bloke over here. He hadn't, no, I'm not talking about you. Yeah, he does. He, he, I tell you, I'm proud of you. You definitely are the man. Serious. I'm talking about this guy behind you. Come into the church about just before we got into shutdown. And one, one night he was down here, came to help me record. And, you know, I started doing a bit of training with him. I said, I want to mentor you. And something began to change in him. And every, since then, he's just, I want you to help me. You know, when you've got someone like that, you know it won't be too long. And he'll be standing right here beside you, holding your shield and your sword. That's the type of bloke that God's going to raise up in the house. Do you know what? The only church that can change the nation is a church that has the spirit of sonship in it. But, you know, believer, to be a believer is a free gift. You get the free gift of salvation. To be a son, you pay the price. That's the difference. So where are you stuck at? Now, I can't have 150 people ring me every day. I'm not going to pick up the phone. But you've got to connect with someone. If you have not connected with your father, you're still locked in an old move. In an old move. A feature of this move of God is sons and daughters, not fathers. Do you hear me? So so you don't, uh, you know, misunderstand me. The feature of the move is sons and daughters, but it'll take true shepherds, true fathers to bring sons and daughters to stature. So you can go home and check it, a bit, check it out and we'll talk about it some more. But this morning, God wants to change some lives. He wants to change some lives. He wants to change a life. When you begin to see it, I used to go, is this in the Bible? Is this in the Bible? And I thought it was some kind of, oh man, I haven't heard this because I was in a, I was in a charismatic mindset where I was looking for my ministry. But then I gave up ambition for my ministry, for sonship. And it's like I'm in a different zone. Now, you're welcome to come and check me and question me and bring your Bible and your notebook because I want to help you with this. Because I've lived this. I haven't talked much about this, have I? Just from time to time, but not this to this degree. But man, this works. I'll tell you because there's a pattern that works. Jesus, God gave Moses a pattern for the temple. There's a pattern for the house. The pattern for the house is not casual attendance. The world is in casual relationship with one another. So we have a generation of illegitimate children that are being aborted. And it's the same in church. But God wants a fathering generation, a generation of fathers. You know, it's not just me. It's I've got brothers. I've got a father. I've got fathers. 
Man, I tell you, didn't make a bit of sense to me when I first went to the school of the prophets. I heard. Four years later, my natural dad died. I went back to Malaysia and I was ready for a supernatural transaction and God put something in my heart. I met Jonathan David in 1995. I met my spiritual father in 1999. This is the answer. Connecting with such a relationship of honour because the only way will change the nation. You know, if we're in unity and we're in one accord and we're working together, we can deal with the principalities and powers and everyone that is living under the rulership of principalities and powers will become subject to sons and daughters of God. That's the next level. What do you reckon? Who wants me to pray for him this morning? I reckon it'd be good just to come right to our Heavenly Father this morning and just open our heart to him.